What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Now that the Mueller report has been submitted, we expect Trump to return to his obsession with building a wall at our southern border. Something extremely popular with his base, those people who chant build the wall at rallies. It all suggests some powerful symbolism is at work here, and Greg Grandin suggests it's a radically new symbol for America. Greg teaches history at NYU. He's an award-winning historian and a member of the Nation Editorial Board. His new book is The End of the Myth, From the Frontier to the Border Wall in the Mind of America. Greg Grandin, welcome back. Thanks for having me on, John. Well, as the symbol of the ideals of the United States, the border wall is a big change from what used to symbolize America, the America that we held out as a model for the rest of the world to emulate. Let's start with the symbol that came before the wall. The frontier and, and the wide open frontier, the, the, the symbol of American expansionism. Uh, you know, there's the social experience of expansion, which is been present from the beginning or even the beginning of the foundation of the of the republic and then there's the turning that experience into an ideology into a nationalism into foundation of american exceptionalism and just to bring it back to the book that 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 opposition between a wall which symbolizes closeness and 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 racism and a kind of uh, a kind of national kind of nativism. The frontier symbolized all of the all of the supposed opposites: openness, the place where the United States moved into the future and into the world, the place where even if you acknowledge the racism involved in indigenous dispossession and and the conquest of of Mexico, Mexican territory, you could at least credibly argue that that racism and extremism would be left behind as the U.S. moves into the future. And so I can't think of any better opposition, anything better that captures what's, what's specific about Trump and Trumpism than, than the wall, which so embodies what some, some scholars have called race realism, this sense that the frontier is closed, that, that there's not enough to go around, that not everybody can sit at the table, and that and that we have to take care of our own. That's the kind of essence of, of Trumpism, and it's captured and crystallized in, in, in the wall. And, of course, Trump's concept of our own uh, is different from yours and mine. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's fairly clear that he has a, that he represents a kind of uh, uh, white supremacism, settler colonialism, whatever you want to call it. But he he represents a kind of national community that that uh, that is specifically white. I mean, it's deep history, deep kind of uh, history in U.S. in U.S. in the U.S. experience. I mean, it is part of the you know, United States is a settler colonial nation built on 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 the back of 
of, of Native Americans, of African Americans. So that that kind of racism, that kind of that kind of nativism and and brutalism has been present. But the myth of the frontier, and the book is called The End of the Myth. But the myth of the frontier allowed a kind of sublimation, if you will, or at least a uh, ideological suppression of the most brutal and exclusionary parts of that of that expansionist history, and I think what Trump represents is pulling it out and 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 turning it into spectacle, into a politics, right? So it's not it's not that he's you know, this is the argument about Trump. He either represents something entirely unprecedented in U.S. history, a violation of of U.S.'s democratic and institutional proceduralism and a history of tolerance, or he represents the culmination of of centuries of brutal settler colonialism and racism. And I think thinking about the, the history of U.S. expansion is a way to get out of that dichotomy and think about how Trump both is and isn't unique to U.S. history and why he's particular, why he's possible during this specific moment. You write in your book, The End of the Myth, that Americans used to believe that there was no problem caused by expansion that couldn't be solved by more expansion. That certainly doesn't sound like Trump. No. And, and again, this goes to think how to think about Trump and how to think about the United States. The United States is an exceptional nation. American exceptional is not a it's not a completely wrong way of thinking about that w- the history of the United States. The United States has had the unique prerogative of being able to use expansion, both the actual experience of expansion and the ideology of expansion, to organize domestic politics, to respond to social demands, to dilute factionalism, to, to uh, marginalize extremism, you know, whether it be landed expansion over the continent and then after the end of the 19th century, when the continent was all filled up, then, then, mar- then either market expansion or military expansion, uh, wars that were understood in, 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 in missionary terms as, as advancing uh, a certain kind of universalism or, or a market capitalism that was, understand- that was understood as, as advancing a kind of missionary capitalism. That all of those experiences of expansion were, were 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 used in ways to kind of reconcile contradictions, break paradoxes, uh, organize domestic politics. There's not one ascendant political coalition in the United States from the Jacksonians through the Civil War, through 1898, through the New Deal, through the New Right that wasn't that didn't use foreign policy in order to kind of gather its energies and put forward a moral vision of how the world should work. And that's what I'm arguing is different about the current moment. And the U.S. has, has hit a wall, so to speak. The, the, the war in Iraq, the financial collapse after 2008, which revealed deep polit- economic inequality and social immobility and, and, and climate change, which hovers over all of this, has has foreclosed on that. And, and, and so Trump and Trumpism is what happens when the empire ends, when, when the extremism that used to be vented outward can, you know, whips back homeward and, 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 and basically becomes all consuming and all devouring. 
that began well before Trump. I think we saw this under Barack Obama. I think a lot of the racism, setting aside the question of Barack Obama's politics and, and the class that he represented, I think the racism that, that he in that he that was directed at him was the beginning of 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 this end of empire politics. Uh, you say in your book, The End of the Myth, that the point isn't actually to build the wall, but to constantly announce the building of the wall. Well, he, because here's the thing. Trump and Trump supporters aren't wrong when they say that the, the, the wall or the, some kind of bar- border barrier has been a bipartisan consensus. It has. You can go back to the 1970s to Jimmy Carter, but certainly Bill Clinton uh, uh, and, 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 uh, and then in the 1990s and then George W. Bush and then Barack Obama all increased funding for the militarization of the border. So there's been ongoing wall building for quite a while. Trump, what Trump does is that he turns it into spectacle. Right. It's not. I mean, that's that was a, that was a kind of quiet militarization of the border that was linked to economic policies that in some ways the the, the militarization of the border violated the premise of those economic policies. Right. Those economic policies were supposedly to bring about a more global, interconnected world. All of those buzzwords of the of the of, of, the, of the of high period of globalization. Trump takes what what was what was going on almost sub you know almost bureaucratically and turns it into a spectacle into a pageantry so he's constantly tweeting you know the wall is being built we're building the wall i mean no wall is being built that hadn't already been budgeted to be built i mean maybe now we're entering into a new stage where some new money is is going is going to building new sections of the wall but the point wasn't to build the world wall it's it was just to it was to use the wall has a kind of organizing principle for what is Trumpism. You've called the frontier and frontier expansion a myth. Uh, could it be that Trump's call to build the wall represents a more accurate assessment of how the world actually works, especially compared to the myth of the frontier? The frontier promised endless possibilities. The wall points to an era of limits and claims to represent realism about uh, economic stagnation. Yeah, I, I mean, it is tempting to think of the wall as as, repres- as a disenchantment, as a, as a revelation of the illusion and the mirage of of the earlier period of economic globalization of 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 the earlier expansionist period. I mean, the myth, the frontier, ultimately was a a, a myth, a mirage. It, it promised to lift all boats, to sit everybody at the table, but it. It actually masked a, a deeply unequal distribution of economic resources and economic and political power. So there's there's a way in which there's a sense that the wall is a more accurate reflection of how the world works, a kind of brutal race realism that 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 organizes national politics around the idea of limited resources, around the idea that 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 not everybody will sit at the table, not everybody, but all boats will be lifted. But I think. Two things. One, I think it, it, it's its own form of illusion. It, it, you know, this the point about the wall is to. I mean, Trump's genius is that he figured out the wall was a way to talk about capitalism without without challenging the premises of capitalism, and hence that's its own illusion, right? It's it, 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 it's it's 
the illusion is that that if we build a wall, we can go on as we were. We could restore this myth of kind of it's kind of like a petulant hedonism that Trump himself embodies. Remember, he said yeah, I could stand on Fifth Avenue and and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose <laughs> any support. I mean, there's a there's an impunity there. There's a there's a there's a immunity. There's a sense uh, in which Trump represents. A, defin- a white supremacist, I would frankly say a white supremacist definition of freedom as freedom from restraint in which, in which, um, and, 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 and so the wall, you know, and, and in this kind of restoration of a very brutal notion of freedom and, and hedonistic and nihilistic definition of freedom, cruelty becomes the symbolic cultural representations of that definition of freedom. So we, who's going to tell us we can't torture? Who's going to tell us we can't put children in detention centers? Who's going to tell us that we can't separate families? Like, you know, there's a way in which, you know, the cruelty itself becomes expressions of, of American freedom. And that's, and that's its own kind of illusion, because obviously things can't go on the way they're going on. Well, while Trump's base is dreaming of a wall that will protect them from outsiders, Trump himself and his family are building Trump hotels all over the world, in India, in Kazakhstan, even in Moscow. They don't, they're, they're very interested in the world. Yeah, yeah. And again, this is the idea that the wall allows him to, to kind of culture, repre, culturally represent or symbolically represent a critique of capitalism without actually challenging capitalism. I mean, you know, it's, it is business as usual to an, to an, to an extreme extent. The deregulation continues, the, 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 you know, the, the austerity continues, the inequality continues, you know, there is no real challenge to the fundamental premises of the old order that child that Trump supposedly challenged. Uh, but, 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 uh, you know, and, and this is where the wall also serves another purpose because it allows him to point to the hypocrisy of the old ruling class, of the old liberal order because because the old liberal order wasn't open and universal and 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 inclusive i mean let's look at nafta nafta is the crown jewel of that high moment of globalization uh and what did nafta do nafta freed capital it freed commodities but it paralyzed and imprisoned labor and it created a, a you know turned the border into a into a a system of labor arbitrage, wage arbitrage, where, where, um, where Clinton, exactly as he was, Bill Clinton, exactly as he was putting NAFTA into effect, began the militarization of the border, create, you know, hardening a dual or a triple wage system that, that, um, that was built on the idea of keeping cheap labor in Mexico. So there's ways in which High, the wall is not just a symbol of Trumpism; it's a symbol of the hypocrisy of the of the of of what Trumpism has displaced. You know, a kind of uh, hypocritical, uh, a multilateral order. Of course, not everybody in America has been chanting "Build the Wall." Young people, people of color, and women uh, have been talking about. Uh, a $15 minimum wage, free college tuition. Some have been talking about Medicare for all and a Green New Deal. So the the competing visions of the future uh, have never really been farther apart than they are right now. Yeah, absolutely. And that's part of the argument of the book. Um, The argument of the book is that this kind of frontier universalism, 
uh, marginalized extremism in American political culture. And by extremism, I mean both white supremacy and racism that's inherent in settler colonialism, but it also marginalized more social and or socialist uh, challenges to private property. And it put forward a kind of vital centrism as the highest expression of Americanism. And, and the argument is that that centrism, that frontier universalism could only be maintained. It was created through expansion and it could only be maintained as long as expansion remained a viable uh, option for America's political class as a way of organizing domestic politics. Now that that moment is over, now that nobody can point to beyond the frontier and say, that's where our problems will be solved. Uh, you know, no one could invoke endless growth as a way of solving social and domestic problems. Now that that's over, I think we've seen an evaporation of the center and, and, a, and a kind of, you know, this option that other countries have had to confront and they confronted in different ways, but was long deferred in the United States. This choice between barbarism and socialism is, is, is now becoming the primary way of organizing or thinking about domestic politics. So I think in 2016, it wasn't a coincidence that the choice was between barbarism and socialism, at least in the Democratic primary uh, versus Trump. And now it seems like we're moving in that direction again. Young people, for the first time, a majority believe that social rights are are an indispensable element of so of political citizenship. That's a that among you could we could define American exceptionalism in many many different ways. But but a but a fetish of individual rights and and political and 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 political rights and uh, a sense that social rights are perverse or 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 dangerous or or heresy has been a foundation of American exceptionalism and that and that's changing. People think that a right to education and a right to health care and a right to a dignified life are fundamental rights. One more thing. Someday Trump will be gone. Maybe it'll be January twentieth, twenty twenty one. What will happen then to the white people who've been chanting build the wall? Well, it's a great question. I mean, I think they're up to grabs. I mean, I, I'm not a political scientist. And on the one hand, I, uh, Trumpism precedes Trump. I think that there's, there's a deep history there that Trump came along and pulled together and articulated and figured out how to unify and crystallize. Uh, without that center of gravity, without that standard bearer? Does it, does it all come apart? Does, does it base become more receptive for other ways of organizing politics? I mean, it's, it's a good question. I mean, I think we're in the middle of a major realignment, political realignment across the board. I mean, obviously in the democratic party, but, but I think when Trump's gone in the Republican party too, and we'll see how that shapes up around issues of social rights, particularly probably healthcare and and, and economic inequality. Greg Grandin, his new book is The End of the Myth, From the Frontier to the Border Wall in the Mind of America. Thank you, Greg. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, John. It's always a pleasure talking to you.
You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Thank you.